Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. On the last episode of Aim Higher, we talked about how to be an approachable leader, an incredibly important topic. Today, we're going to segue into part two to talk about the leadership importance of approachability. These two things are linked. So last time we talked about the how, and today we are talking about the why. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I remember the big boss, gruff, intimidating. Every meeting with him was fraught with anticipation and worry. People would prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare, not just for the meeting, by the way, which is good preparation, but also preparing for the beating that would inevitably come. Someone would be blasted. It's not whether it would happen, it was who it would happen to. Someone was attacked. Often someone was told how stupid they were, not even in a funny way. Lots of yelling. I didn't work directly for him, so I would always kind of try to steer clear as much as possible. In fact, I got to know him and found him personally okay. And you had to just know how to reach him, but he definitely had a reputation, and that reputation was for being unapproachable. Being approachable, it's a characteristic or trait most leaders don't really think about. We think about things like being decisive, inclusive, persuasive, but leaders often focus on strategy or team building, not really approachability. That one gets left out. It's an afterthought, if it's even thought about at all. But I read a Greenhouse post that cited Gallup's survey of 2.5 million teams, and they showed in this survey and study a correlation between being able to approach a manager with any type of question and engagement at all levels. So literally employees are more engaged if they can approach the boss. And so today we're talking about the leadership importance of approachability, really important topic. And we have a great panel, Lisa Beatty. Lisa, welcome she is leadership development expert, right? Aren't you? Sure. <laughs> of course. Say it with confidence. <laughs> of course I She's am. She's like, I'm still thinking about that introduction. <laughs> and Drew Bordis, who is an operations guru. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> See, it's getting more enthusiastic as it goes. And Tammy Spade, who is people, purpose, and place. She's passionate about all of those things and helping people work with purpose in a great place. In a great place. I am. Thank you. So welcome, all of you, to talk about this great topic of the leadership importance of approachability. Very important topic. So before we get into being approachable, I started off talking about this person that I know. Have you ever worked for someone who was completely unapproachable or know someone in an organization that was just unapproachable and you had to do something or respond in a different way? not naming names. We're going to tag them on the podcast. But but who do you think of and why? Was there something that, you know, you're just showing some characteristics of not being approachable in a leadership position? I had a former leader that was unapproachable. And when you walked into her office, it literally felt like you were ruining her day by, you know, having to look up and answer a question or help you with a challenge, you know, that you were having. And so I just constantly felt like I was burdening her. And I'm an Enneagram too, so I really want to be helpful to people. That's what I got back in response. I'm like, this 
I don't feel helpful and I don't even want to walk into this office. So that was what made her unapproachable to me. A repellent really mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. sent you away. Yeah. It really is important. Anyone else have experience with somebody unapproachable? I had a boss once, a president of a company that- Long time ago. Long time ago. Oh, yes. Yes. Long, <laughs> many years ago. And he was imposing physically and his voice was, you know, a couple of decibels louder than the average speaking voice. So you heard him coming and he kind of stomped when he came into the area. It's like an open office area, spoke really, really loudly. And I remember thinking, what have I done? Why did I come to this organization? But over time, I developed a great relationship with him. And while he did have those imposing characteristics, he was someone that you could sort of break through with. So I think I think sometimes, as you said, Skip, you developed a relationship with that person. There's probably something else going on there for them. They either think that's how they have to be as a leader or, you know, there's some other issue. And it's important to try and understand and develop a relationship with that person. Being approachable is so very important. And there are lots of studies on it. And this leadership importance of being approachable, it really also makes you more likable, said a study by CV Library in the UK. They did a survey that said over 40% of people said being approachable makes you more likable. And so really important. Now, a leader doesn't necessarily have to be liked, does she or he? No, but we're trying to get important work done. And the easiest and smoothest way to do that is to, again, that help that person feel safe to be able to bring you the challenges, to raise issues early so that you can work through them. So if you're likable, that helps to smooth those skids. Makes you safe, Mm -hmm. makes the environment more safe, Mm -hmm. you're saying. So the entire culture then, you know, we often talk about leadership setting the culture of an organization. That tone is set by the leader, and then that would make you feel safe. I like how you linked it to safe. And there's balance there, right? I mean, you you know, sometimes as a leader, you have to make hard decisions. Mm -hmm. If If you're sole purpose is I want to be liked, then you won't you won't be a good leader, right? You but yes, being likable, I mean, we spend so much time at work. Who wants to work with a bunch of jerks? Right? It's not worth it. It really is not. Lindauer blog says this. They said being approachable is a professional skill that fosters numerous career benefits from networking and career advancement to information access and other advantages. As a leader at any level, approachability matters even more. I found that to be interesting. And they quote John Hall in this Inc. Magazine article saying, whether you're a startup or Fortune 500 executive, you can't be an effective leader if people are hesitant to approach you. And I find that to be quite powerful as a statement. I think approachability and performance, organizational performance, are very closely linked. When you think about some of the things we may have heard in the media about big scandals or big failures in companies, many times it was because people didn't feel safe. They didn't feel they could take something forward and say, I don't think this is working. I don't think the science, you know, is is passing muster here. Thinking about a, you know, a local hospital, I won't go into the details, but very unfortunate situations because the leadership apparently wasn't approachable enough for people to go in and say, this isn't right. Yeah, what's the reaction going to be? Are you mm-hmm. going to are you going to regret giving that message immediately, mm-hmm. right? And then what does that do? It stifles reality, right. transparency, all bad things. Right. Maybe even affects a career. So freedom of information, of sharing, of this underlying relationship 
is important. What else would you say is important for leaders in terms of approachability and being approachable? What other things would be important? Well, Lisa spoke on another episode about authenticity and how inauthenticity makes you unapproachable. Authenticity makes you approachable. And I think that authenticity is just, you know, we're all people. This isn't positional power. A coach isn't more valuable than the player. We all just have roles to play. And hopefully we're in roles that maximize the skills that we have, but we're not going to be perfect. We are going to make mistakes. I think admitting mistakes. In fact, I, I know of a book that was written about mistakes. <laughs> what was that about? I don't know about it, that one. I, I've heard of it. <clears throat> the Book I've of Mistakes. It's really good. The Book of Mistakes by Skip Pritchard. Excellent book, by the way. But, you know, being able to admit mistakes, being able to admit you don't have all the answers, being a part of the team rather than separate from the team. Can you then develop a culture of approachability? Can the whole culture be approachable? I think so. I mean, I think especially if once you're getting to know each other and if you make it something purposeful you're trying to do, you can coach each other on it. I mean, especially for, you know, we talked a little bit in another episode about just, you know, verbal cues or access or things like that, where you can say to each other, hey, um, you know, the way you reacted to that bad news, you're, you're never going to hear bad news again, Tammy. I um, never have really thought about it that way, a culture being approachable. But it makes me think about what I would define as a coaching culture, where when somebody's got an issue or a challenge, they're free to bring that up. It's met with interest and curiosity. Wow, what I didn't think about that either. What are we going to do to mitigate that risk? Or, oh, shoot, that went downhill fast. What can we learn from that? That helps that leader be approachable. But when the whole organization of leaders are acting in that way, people coming in to the organization can feel that, I think. This is a place where we're really interested in getting the best thing out the door. We're not worried about ego. We're not worried about how that's impacting me. Our focus is on what's the best thing for the customer and what can we do to get that out the door. And by understanding that we're all humans and offering grace and learning and growing with each of those opportunities, it helps an organization become approachable. Coaching culture and approachability. I like that link as well. Developing and, and working together is really important. Not something that you would think about. I also think about the fact that the tone is set at the front door in approachability. And I'm thinking, I, I recently visited a church and I'm driving in and it, lots of cars were coming in. And the guy that was directing us where to go was jumping up and down and making, you know, just laughing and having fun. It immediately made it approachable. You think about going into a large office, if the person welcoming you is very inviting and smiling, it sets that tone of approachability. So way before you get to the leadership importance, you're really setting that tone right up front, which matters everywhere. So leadership is not leadership as in the boss. Mm -hmm. Leadership is personal leadership. And all of us have the ability to be more approachable by following certain ideas, behaviors, et cetera, that we'll talk about. But that really does make a difference, I think. That tone right at the beginning mm -hmm. sets the tone. If you go interviewing at an organization, you go to do a strategic relationship with an organization and you walk in, you sense how approachable people are. I want to ask this. Can a community be approachable or unapproachable? And I'll give you an example, famous example, New York City. Right? Some people will tell me they're coming from the South, they go to New York, and they're like, everybody's running around, I, you can't talk to anyone. 
in the South here, we, you know, stop you and have some biscuits. It's just an interesting thing. And they were laughing about it when they were telling me this. But it was just a perception. Because I said, well, I find New York to be fabulous. I've worked there. You know, they're very approachable. You just have to be quick, get to the point, you know, because they're, they're going somewhere. And you might want to say, hey, I need to get to such and such. I'll come with me and they'll just walk with you. But there is a sense of a reputation of approachability by city, community, state. Do you see what I'm saying when I totally. say Totally. I mean, having lived different places and traveled a lot, and there's almost different definitions of it. I mean, I, I think one of our shocks of moving to the Midwest is people told us, you know, coming from the South, oh, people say hi to you. They're just not going to let you in their house ever. Um, and so that was a, that was, and we noticed that a little bit. It's hard to get in, kind of, to get to, get to meet somebody and, and really know them. Versus in the South where it's almost like, oh my gosh, you just moved in. Here's a casserole and please come in my house and let's be best friends. But that's, you know, my own opinion. I'm a little biased. (laughs) That's good. That reinforces my desire to move South. (laughs) That sounds really (laughs) great to me. I don't know. I think I'm a little more comfortable in the Midwest. (laughs) But yes, you know, you were talking about the impression that people have. And I think it's important when you think about communities or organizations, the digital approachability that we have to think about now because we're so connected but not connected. We're not physically working together. Or even when we are physically working together, the digital footprint of a person, an organization, a community can create that feeling of approachability. So all of those things have to be consistent. We call the people that work at our front desk the directors of first impressions. Yes. Because that's who they are. They set the tone. And the same thing happens with your website. The same things happen with marketing materials or, you know, community mottos. Those are all things that can communicate openness. I want to ask about leadership and approachability and talking about some traps of being approachable. Can you be too approachable? And full disclosure, I was told earlier in my career, I'm too approachable. And my wife often still tells me, you're too approachable. And I say, well, what do you mean? Well, She'll say, read that to me again. And you know, you read some of the things that I get and you'll say, they shouldn't be approaching you with that. Can you be too approachable as a leader? I think in terms of guarding your time, yes, a little. I, I, you know, I think your time is precious and how you spend it is precious. And there isn't a part where you could spend all day answering emails about what type of milk we have in the cafeteria. And that's very approachable, but that's not what you should be doing. So, yeah, I I think like everything, there's balance to it. I'd rather swing that direction than the other one, though. Yes. I think you can reel back from that, but it's it's harder to come from the other direction. Oh, that's a good point, too. Mm -hmm. I I think um, when you move from listening and discussing things about the person and about work to counseling, you might have become too approachable. (laughs) So if people are coming to you frequently with personal issues or you know, with relational kinds of issues, and it's not something that your job is to deal with on a regular basis, that might indicate you've become too approachable. It's difficult for me because I love coaching, and people will see blogging and podcasting and writing, and then they'll want my advice on something. And yet my job in the corporate arena is not to be that person's coach, so I'll have to reference them to somebody else. But I do think it is interesting. I I agree, Lisa, it's interesting that you could swing You'd rather be more approachable than not, but there are downsides and guarding your time's one, but also this whole thing of open door and, you know, the classic thing of, are you approachable? Do you have an open door policy? Well, I'm not a big proponent of an open door policy for anyone. Now, 
I always say people can always stop by and do it. But if you literally have an open door, what you're saying is my open door means I'm a doormat. You can dump anything here. That's saying my time is not valuable. I can't schedule and do things because the door's open. Now, if the door's open and you're booked all the time and you can't really get in anyway because the person's on the phone, that's not an open door policy. But true open door policy can go too far and I think is also as dangerous as you know if you walk around, et cetera. So there, there's a lot of balance issues, I would say. Well, I think there's, there's also can be a dangerous perception among the employees that because the boss says he's approachable, you're not allowed to judge anything that I say to you. I can just vomit all over it yes. and send you an email full of typos and bad grammar and crazy ideas. And because you're approachable, you're not allowed to think I'm crazy. You, you just have to take it. And that's not true. Yeah, really good point, which is being approachable does not give you this veil of protection that allows you, so you want to be safe, but it doesn't allow you to come in and say, let me criticize three of my coworkers and they're awful people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You're approachable, but that doesn't mean there's not consequences for the things that you say in that office. Yeah, you can prove you're an idiot beyond all doubt. Yeah. <laughs> beyond all so, doubt. Sorry, that's the mood I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, being approachable doesn't mean that you're not going to render decisions, business judgments, and you know other kinds of things that you need to do for your role that that person may not agree with. So you mentioned judgy earlier, I think, and you know that's not a bad thing if it's in the context of the work that you're doing. I would also say chain of command is also important. So you could say, oh, chain of command, you want to make sure that you're doing skip level meetings and all those things, which is absolutely true. But if you're approachable and somebody comes in with something, they can't think that you're not going to tell the boss. Right. Because that would be also bad leadership if I'm not communicating to that person's boss that this person brought this forward, here's why, et cetera. Now, if it was done in an HR setting or it's a legal review or some, you know, a whistleblower, I'm not talking about those things. But the average thing that you bring in, hey, you know, I have a great idea and here's what it is. Did you tell your boss why? What was the reception, et cetera? You can't think that this is going to exclude the chain of command. And that can be a very naive way to approach it, I think. The other thing that is dangerous, I think, in being too approachable is you don't want to be dismissive, which is unapproachable, but you also don't want to end up exhausted. And that can happen where people are walking in all the time with this open door policy or with you being so approachable and you end up carrying burdens that are just overwhelming in a way that does not let you do the things that you're best equipped to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think leaders have to be a model for good boundaries and healthy boundaries. And when we have those, we're able to communicate them. So sharing those with people, it means something different if I know my leader is only available for an hour a day and, and that's what my chance to get in there and, and have a chat with them versus them just cutting them off from communication completely. So a, a leader can have healthy boundaries and they can communicate those so people understand them and that gives them permission to do the same thing. So I think that is important to protect the time and be able to carve off some space for self-care. And approachability does not mean no boundaries. No. And that is a key tactic. If yes. you want to be a leader that is approachable and yet doesn't fall into these traps of being dismissive or a trap of making people feel unwelcome or any of the other traps uh, that we talked about and where you end up exhausted and becoming a doormat is important. 
Well, and I think it depends on what you're working on at the moment, too. Like, mm-hmm. if you really are working on something heads down, I need to concentrate, I really don't want to be interrupted, then don't do it sitting in the middle of the atrium. You know, don't do it with your door open. Or or guess what? People are going to think, hey, I can go see how you're doing, talk about the football game. Like, close your door, go home, go somewhere else where you can actually concentrate. And that way, you're not setting yourself up for a bad interaction with somebody. Yeah, I think the points that you all are making, the physical boundaries, and then Lisa, your point about boundaries in general are really, really important. What Skip said resonated with me because I have found myself in that position more than once where I have become exhausted because someone said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, it was was hard to say no. It's important to remember that you've got to do the self-care. You've got to set aside time. There may be times when you're not very approachable because you are heads down. You're working on a big project. There's a deliverable. You've got the door shut virtually or otherwise, and you're not going to be very approachable. Approachable doesn't equate to yes every time. I love that as a quote. Approachable does not equate to yes every time. It also has shifted in a pandemic and in a virtual world because people will send you emails or texts or messages or you know send it on Twitter, wherever they send it. And if you don't respond immediately, they have certain perceptions of your responsiveness or approachability as well. But there has also been a shift. Have you seen that happening in the last several months? Oh my gosh. I'm sometimes sitting at my home desk, which is either the kitchen table or a desk, and Teams is coming in with messages, text is coming in with messages, Email is coming in, and there's other stuff coming in over the phone. I feel like it's more volume than it is when you're physically working together. No question it is. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's been something I, I honestly have struggled a little bit with. How am I managing all that and you know, feeling like I want to be responsive right away, but I'm in a meeting. And the other thing I think in terms of approachability is that connection and being present with people. It's easy to think you can not do that when you're on a Teams call or a Zoom call because you can, you know, put your phone down and text someone back or do something. And sometimes that's okay, but you want to be careful about how much you do that because then that ends up making you look like you're not with them and you're not approachable. You're telling me to stop doing that to you in our Teams meetings? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're missing, we're missing the visual cue. You know, I can't see that your door is closed. Mm -hmm. I can't see that your head's down really concentrating on something or talking to 10 other people. I can just fire away with a team's instant messenger. Hey, Tammy, here's what's on my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, that the visual cues help sometimes. Really does. Well, approachable leaders spend their time building bridges. And unapproachable leaders spend their time widening gulfs. And our goal is to build bridges because building the bridge is the key for you in your career and for your organization to aim higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.